Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nice. And I think this is going to be our spiciest couple of podcasts in a while. Absolute GC mayhem in Paranese and Terreno Adriatico stages seven and four respectively. I do want to say before we get into those obviously extremely hype stages uh, that we produced our Healthy Aging Tour recap, stages two and three, they're up. They're at the end of the podcast yesterday and there's a standalone YouTube video and that was a really exciting end to the GC there as well. Our show partner, LaCole, our title sponsor of British Continental Team, Drops LaCole. They've got the unofficial uh, world record holder and the hour record um, on Drops LaCole, and they were fighting to stay in the top 10 on GC. So if you've got a spare hour and you want to watch some good, nasty, wet weather cobbled racing in the north of the Netherlands, go and catch up on the Healthy Aging Tour. And also, LaCole have produced like a mini doco and some background about the opening start to the season for Drops LaCole. So we'll have a link down below for that if you want to check it out. First, we're going to do our Paranese Stage 7 recap. I said in the preview, this is all Rogla. This looks like uh, so many stages he won last year. Criterium de Dauphiné Stage 2, Col de Porte he won. Uh, 120k stage a couple of meh, not hard climbs at the start <laughs> just to, just to basically allow a break to form and the main action of the day was this 16.5k climb at 6.2% to Vol de Blois La Colmienne, 3,600 metres elevation across the stage apparently. What probability did you have for Roglic winning this stage before the uh, – stage Benji did you think Jumbo Visma cared about it would pace like what did you think would happen I think that somebody would care enough to uh to keep the gap down and try and control it I thought the break was going to be relatively high when it comes to the amount of people in there the profile of the riders as well pretty solid breakaway riders I expected but I still expected it to come down to Roglic and I basically until the race started I was shouting at everybody that I that I saw on the street Roglic is winning today. Roglic is winning today. <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously, well, uh, okay. socially distanced, it, by the way. Well, that's a good point going into it. And I, people can't accuse of 2020 hindsight. We both said this on the pod. I've said this in previews. We said, if the break doesn't win, which was a possibility, that has to be acknowledged. I think I gave it like a 90% chance of Roglic winning out of the GC group. <laughs> so it was... His odds were like 230, so either half a break wins and then <laughs> half Roglic wins. But the, a really strong break did go with a lot of the riders we expected and some I didn't expect, Benji. Here they are with 60Ks to go on the stage with about a two-minute gap, two-and-a-half-minute gap. Nielsen Palace on EF Education Nippo, Amador, De Plus on Ineos, Lutschenko for Astana Premier Tech, I probably bet a bit too much money on him for the stage. Perez for Cofidis in the uh, KOM jersey. Julian Bernard and Elisson for Trek. Thomas de Gent, David de la Cruz, Sam Bennett, and his teammate, Catania, who, yep, to the Kony Quickstep, Dylan Turns, and Gino Maida. Benji, can you explain why Paulus, Catania, or Cadenao, I don't know, Dylan Turns were in the break and it only kept within two and a half minutes of Roglic. I think it's double-sided. I think that on one end, the obvious conclusion is, well, they should be further on if they want to have an opportunity at winning the stage here because somebody's going to care behind that. Somebody's in the breakaway on roughly two and a half, three minutes. Somebody will try and keep the gap low as a consequence. And I think that did play out quite a bit today that the peloton kept them closer because those riders were involved. But it could also be 
kind of the opposite that yesterday someone would lose more time than expected perhaps and as a consequence yesterday evening or this morning after the race they realized i'm not in the perfect position but i could still give it a try and that's the only possible conclusion i think for it to be a decent tactic because it can't really be a decent tactic if you make your way up to two and a half minutes three minutes on purpose and then already say yeah it's a target for me to be in the stage on on this mountain stage to call me on because yeah then you're basically neutralizing the breakaway from the inside because somebody in the peloton is going to care somebody's going to try and keep it close and today that was kind of the case yeah i think they needed two two and a half minutes at least on the climb that being optimistic uh yeah you know how quickly these can come down at the end and they weren't allowed that leash or a paste benji who else paced? i want i want you to bring up the uh role of dishonor of non-yumbo visma teams that were pacing is it bora bike exchange dsm any others Honestly, uh, I did not really keep track of the teams that was that were controlling the pace in the peloton. But the point being that there were so many teams that are not Yumbo Visma here that were controlling the pace in the peloton, basically doing the work for Yumbo because Yumbo it was they don't need to pace because they don't really care about Cataneo yet unless it becomes like five minutes or something. Then they'll be like, oh, well, we're gonna step in. But if everybody else starts pacing before that, and if everybody else starts keeping that gap low, then Roglic and the entire team of Yumbo just have to sit there and wait until the climb starts and then do their thing. So that's what happened. The escapees were getting brought back because they, I think, they were threatening the GC lead of Shackman, uh, Tishpinot, and Vlasov. So that's why they're all being brought back. Yumbo Visma didn't care. Grisha Nierman shared on Twitter um, Yumbo Visma's plan for today. And it literally was their plan. It was that they thought the other teams would be stupid enough to pace for them. And they did. <laughs> and I'll, I'll go off at the end. I won't go off now. I'll, I'll hold it in Benji so we can keep actually tell the people the results and they can switch off before I start shouting. Riders eventually began getting dropped out of that breakaway. 15Ks left. They had a lead of 45 seconds. Uh, Paulus, Bernard, Elisande, Let's Lutsenko, Catania, Dela Cruz, and Maida were there. The strongest of those break initially, um, and I thought this was playing out just like Jabel Jais Benji, like exactly the yeah. same as Jabel Jais UAE Tour Stage Five, where they bring the gap back a lot before the climb. But then the teams that were interested in bringing the gap back aren't actually that strong. Ineos, wink, wink, for UAE Tour and maybe Tirreno. Um, and they run out of riders. And then the gap just stays at like 45 seconds. And you're like, surely not. At what point did you think, Benji, hold on, they're not actually going to be able to bring these guys back unless Jumbo Visma helps? Yeah, it's exactly the moment you say when those riders for Shockman and so forth are coming off the front or riding at a pace that is not really putting any dent into the time gap to the front, but also the fact that the people at the front aren't there aren't they aren't newbies at this. Lutsenko was one mountain stages. Chino yeah. Major got very close in the Vuelta Elisande. last year. Elisande, he was the guy that launched Froome at the uh, infamous 2018. Well, the famous one actually. Infamous is a bit horribly sensed, but the famous stage in 2018 in the Giro, where Froome did end large solo. Turns is a good rider. He seemed to be a bit mad today that he was falling off the back of the group and then came back, and then just a bit of a yo-yo effect. Uh, yeah, Yumbo had to pace, and this is the difference with the Vuelta, really, because in the Vuelta, I noticed that we basically had a situation where there was a stage, I think, near the end, where Yumbo controlled the pace and nobody else really did anything. While... Yumbo decided, yeah, we, we got to keep it on this amount of seconds. We're not going to go for the stage. We're just going to keep it at this margin. And uh, we don't really care. We're just going to defend the jersey. But this is different because this is a one-week race. So it's not like they need to defend that yellow jersey with everything in their lives. They can play it a bit more playfully than in a Grand Tour. And I think that Roglic just said, well, we might as well try to win it. Because like we've got the people for it. And an extra victory is 
is not too bad anyway. All the other teams brought us to the perfect footstep of actually doing it, so why not? Well, if you don't care about the stage win, what's the best way to weaken the other teams? It's to force their domestiques to chase if they're going to do it for you. 15Ks to 10Ks, the gap goes out to 50, 55 seconds. Everyone's dropped out of the breakaway group. Lushenko looked like he had a cramp or cracked or something. I think if he stayed there, he could have won the stage. Well, I'm, I'm not saying he he obviously wanted to stay there. I'm just saying whatever bad luck befell him probably cost him a, a real shot at this stage. Gino made a powerless and Elisande were the only riders left. Bernard had been pacing Elisande back to when he... Lushenko had been attacking them because he was trying to get rid of powerless. I think he thought that was the reason why they were being closed all the time. Simon Geschke... Well, confidence with them pacing Benji. It was, I was like, surely, well, actually, no, that's not true. Out of all the riders in that GC group, the only rider I thought could win an uphill sprint against Roglic is Guillaume Martin, like 5 to 8% chance, um, but still a chance. The others, no chance. But then Kofidis were pacing, and then Geshka attacked from their team <laughs> trying to bridge across can you i need you benji your devil's advocate benji what what's he doing there my devil's advocate theory here is that at that point the break was roughly i think still 50 seconds or so before the peloton so the gap was still pretty decent and geshka made that move the other his rider went off the front at that very moment and Geshka pretty easily bridged up to Turns, who was on like 40 seconds of the lead at that moment. So 20 seconds ahead of the peloton. I was thinking perhaps it's a bit of a a bit of a satellite rider idea or something. But the issue there is, well, they, they did put pressure on the other riders before launching Geshka satellite riders. So that's pretty good for the theory. They did launch Geshka and have him in 20 seconds. That's perfect for the theory. But the entire flaw in that system is that Kreisbank's still there. <laughs> He's yeah, going to pace know. you and down it. if you attack with Guillaume But anyway, a bit of a weird move from Kofidis, pacing, then sending Geshka. Maybe they realized they couldn't do it on their own uh, or like, I don't feel like pacing for Roglic the whole time. So I really thought the breakaway had a chance to win. 8K, 7Ks, Jumbo Visma started to do their Montegual pace. Or what was the stage, Benji? It was the Tour de France stage where they could have gone for the win. Maybe it was the Vuelta. Vuelta. And they were like, yeah, where yeah Vuelta. was at the front for, uh, for an entire time. Yeah, and they let the gap go out for a minute to three minutes with the full strain. Uh, and, I mean, they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. Re-criticism. Anyway, they start letting the gap sort of drop out a little bit. Then they decide to increase the pace with Bennett with about 6Ks to go. It drops Godou, drops Pierre Latour out of the main group. Uh, Maeder and Paulus go clear, Alessandre is dropped. And then with about 4.5Ks to go, Gino Maeder, we saw him in Vuelta or Giro for NTT last year, Swiss rider. He attacked Paulus or pretty much dropped him off the wheel. Peloton's got a 40-second gap. Well, there's a gap. He's got a 40 second gap on the peloton. He and he still does a four case to go, three case to go. He's got a 35 second gap, and then Stefan Kreisweik saunters up. Someone I thought Jumbo Visma should allow to go for the stage, uh, just because uh, he saunters up to Bennett or Roglic and he says, uh, "Do you feel like the stage today?" <laughs> I presume that's what he said. <laughs> And Roglic must have been said, sure, do I not? And then <laughs> the accent. And then Grosbeck just went on the front and started drilling it. And I was like, oh, no, this is, <laughs> I feel so bad. And then Roglic attacked before the, the Flam Rouge Benji. Kreuzweig pulled really hard. And then at the end of his pull, Roglic attacked with maybe 1,500 to go. There's still a gap of like, 20, 22 seconds. This is not a steep climb. I'm like, they're going to have to really surge to bring him back. Roglic gets, he then gets, Shuckman bridges to him. Roglic sits up, doesn't stop pulling, uh, sorry, stops pulling. 
they got 600 meters to go or maybe oh yeah 600 meters to go and then i'm like well mate is one if they're all gonna suplex and look at each other then mate is gonna win they're literally not pedaling vlasov couldn't do anything or astana and then Roglic is like you know what i'll just attack again for the bonus seconds surges <laughs> no one can respond i think with sharkman uh definitely vlasov as well in that group lucas hamilton too and yeah you've probably seen the images already but Roglic surges past Gino Mater's dang dying in the last 50 meters and Roglic comes past him like a rocket uh beating him in the last 30 meters absolute heartbreak for Gino Mater. would that have been his first pro win Benji I don't know, but I, I would guess so. And definitely on this level, I think that yeah. despite <laughs> this, I do think that this is better for Gino Mader in the long term. Better for his notoriety. Yeah. I think that Hirschi started off the Tour de France with that stage on the Paris Sud. No, was it the Paris? No, it wasn't the Paris Sud. It was the Laveur stage, Paul Laveur, where he had yes. the entire solo. And then Pogaccio and such caught up with him. And he was beaten just in the last sprint after being alone until the last three kilometers. And this is very similar in the way that he gets beaten so close to the line, it's going to go into yeah, this history is for quite a bit. That, this is this is obviously way worse, but I think that a lot of people <laughs> made Mater one of their favorites right now. And that a lot of people yeah. are going to support Mater in everything he does from this point. He does. Wow, English. So, um, yeah, I love it, which sounds horrible, but I love it. I think that Benji, a lot of what people... Are the, what about the people... Yeah. Are the people saying, oh, this is cruel from Roglic, the ASO release I got was this was merciless, which I guess it was, um, but people are saying it was mean and he unsportsman and he shouldn't have done it. Are they the same people that say he should have paced for Wout and world champs? Probably, to be honest. Uh, I think that it's not very wise to say so. That it, It's it's good to say that you feel bad for Medu. It's good to say Roglic... Probably I wanted Mater to win. Doesn't need it, but we all wanted Mater to win. I think at that point yeah. because it's like so close to the finish line. Except for like hardcore Yumbo or Roglic fans would be like, "Oh, Roglic should have done it." But like, I agree that Roglic should have done it because, first of all, their team had been pacing on the entire climb. Would be pretty sad to to then end up going second because the leader yeah, decided, oh, "I don't want to win this one." Won. Yeah, exactly. That's what people don't get, Benji. Actually, Benji, get up, go make a coffee come back this could be a couple of minutes okay, okay. the starters Kreuzweig sacrifices his opportunity to go for a stage when he barely has any professional wins none in the last like six years I don't think so he's gone and paced for Roglic when he could have attacked Kreuzweig you can't tell me he didn't have fantastic legs today and you can't have him do that if you're Roglic and then not go for the stage win or just go for the bonus seconds if you can. Um, at least I don't think. He's also got an obligation to the sponsors. And sure, we probably get a bonus for this too. So would you forego however much money it is as well? This is apparently a stage win. Just because he's won a lot of them. If you're a winning person, you probably want to keep winning them. And it's also a competition. Like, this is a race. Like, I don't really believe in... I believe in gifts when riders have like formed an, an arrangement which suits both of them, like oh, who is a Contador with Scarponi, Benji, um, or when riders like one works who's trying to get time on GC or the other works for them and they let them have the stage. But this is different. Mate hasn't done anything for Roglic. And, yeah, I think the people and my real rant and the p- people that Twitter should be mad at it's not Jumbo Visma. It's not Roglic. It's every delusional team in the peloton today that thought pacing before this climb to bring back the break and not getting one of their riders in this break and then isolating their team leaders who, but by the way, it's a very weak GC field and we don't have any, do we have any other GC Grand Tour podium? getters i don't know someone might fact check me but the gc competition is shakman vlasov and yoni zagira and your team's dsm 
Bank Exchange and Bora. You're going to pace, then leave Shuckman isolated for a lot of the climb. Thinking what? You're going to beat Roglic on this climb. You're out of your fucking mind. So they are the teams that created this situation by chasing the breakaway. Also, the teams like De Koenig and EF having riders targeting the break, then getting in the break with two minutes lead on GC, which kind of forced some of those teams to chase. Just they're all the teams that made the mistakes, Benji. Um, am I being too harsh? Are there some pe- people saying, oh, well, you have to try. You, if you're Bora and DSM, you have to try. But, like, what did they try, Benji? I don't know. I, I, I didn't really listen. I was going to get a coffee. So oh, I sorry, think I missed sorry. the entire argument here. Can you repeat it? Or... <laughs> no, I can't repeat it. People have heard enough already. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like today you would have been better off a few of those teams putting a rider in a break and just letting the break win and keeping it relatively close. And what? the funniest moment for me, Benji, was when, who was it pulling? Luis Leon Sanchez or Freyler? Yeah. And Bennett was just like, it's, the pace isn't hot enough, buddy. And just, it was humiliation. <laughs> yeah. I think that I also kind of want to talk about the other banner today because the other banner was in the breakaway for Cantonel. And I don't know, two teams that kind of flopped their strategies for me today were Ineos and De Koenig. De Koenig put Cantonel in the breakaway with that one, two minute and a half, three minute uh, deficit in the, in the GC before the stage. Bennett in there as well. Bennett partially because he could get sprint points at sprint gates potentially, because I think Roglic might actually be in green after winning this stage, which I'm going to check at this moment. Yes, yes Roglic is. is in green, which is obviously not super great for uh, for Bennett now. But also, he spent the entire last portion of the stage where he was in the breakaway, pacing himself into a, a bloody grave. Honestly, quite crazy. On one end, it's great that he does this for a teammate after they've been working for him on, on multiple occasions. So I like that idea. But I don't see why, because <laughs> there's no point. Cataneo is not the best climber in that breakaway. Cataneo is not going to stay ahead of the peloton with that gap from the climb. Then he kept on pacing still for like the first two kilometers in that group. Every single time he almost dropped, he went back to the back of the group. And then he just died at a certain point and dropped from the peloton as well afterwards, which is totally understandable. I don't know. Weird strategy for me. Same with Ineos here. Uh, they got slaughtered here as well with to win the breakaway to Pleasant Amador. On good days, they're they're very strong, but today they were not near what they should be to be at all competitive in that breakaway group. And I was like, Amador looks like he's kind of waiting here because like he's looking back. He's not exactly trying to hold on in the breakaway too much. The plus seemed to be having trouble. And they went to the peloton and they just dropped from the peloton. I was like, okay, Thambal is still here. He's roughly 15 in GC. Perhaps they're going to try and help him out in the peloton. Nope, they just didn't care. Just dropped from the peloton. Bombarla still tried to stay on for the GC, but obviously that's not ideal. Obviously, their two leaders dropped out of the race, but still, like, weird strategies. Generally, I don't know what they were trying all day. His results, Benji. Primoz Roglic first, Gino Maida second, Roglic taking the full 10-second GC bonus second compliment, allowing Maida to take the six seconds Galaxy Brain taking two seconds away from Shakman, who finished five <laughs> seconds behind in third. Hamilton fourth, Vlasov fifth, ten seconds back with Bernard. Guillaume Martin seventh with Izaguirre, Van Hoeker and Hinley coming tenth, 27 seconds back. Um, Rolich extends his lead on GC out to 52 seconds on Shakman. Vlasov leapfrogs his teammate Izaguirre into third a minute and 11 back. Do you think Roglic being like this, Benji, is a function of all the criticism about not gaining as much time as possible in the Tour last year when he has, like, the strongest legs? I'm not sure. I'm not sure Roglic himself cares too much about it. It seems like he's pretty uh, pretty relaxed when he's riding, and he. I don't think he cares about social media stuff too much. But... Oh, but it's not just social media. It's not just social media. That's also, like... Genu- you know, genuine criticism from even Tom Dumoulin within their team. Yeah, I agree there. I agreed with the criticism. We gave it, like, before yeah. the races even started. 
and we said that they should hold it to that and they didn't and like perhaps that's the reason to it perhaps that's part of the reason that they do this stuff but i also think that it's a bike race he's being paid to win he's gonna try to win and unless it's a teammate that he's he's trying to gift or something then it's understandable but otherwise it's difficult like if it was pogachar perhaps the friendship would have uh would have made it happen here but it's not pogachar for Bogacar for the tour de france in stage eight obviously you know <laughs> land attack that's fine and the vault uh, of but... 2019 as well <laughs> <laughs> but if we if we do have an excerpt just so you can hear from the, the horse's mouth how much this stage meant to Roglic and what he was thinking with the attack. You want to win every race and again today you want to say it was important for you to win. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, always, why not? Uh, if uh, the team worked really, really well. And uh, yeah, at the end uh, there was a possibility and uh, yeah, I went for it. Right, shout out to ASO sending through that interview that's pretty much wraps up our parody stage seven recap benji our stage eight tomorrow the revised stage from le plan du var to levin or maybe it's yes yes le plan du var to levin 92.7 kilometers um that's gonna be one of the shortest stages i've ever seen it's kind of been nerfed like they've got it's an uphill sprint finish. I've got a, a rider who I think is pretty good at that to pick out. It's got two main climbs, or three rather, four Ks at 3.5%, which uh, really shouldn't be keeping anyone up at night. The finish is, I don't know the exact gradient. The last 500 meters is false flat downhill. Who you like for the stage, Benji? Well, it's, it's a bit like yesterday, isn't it? I think it's a bit of a combination here. I think this is less hard than the finish they had yesterday, which, oh, means, that, which means that I would still have Roglic up there with one of the favorites for this stage, but I'm going to go for Christophe Laporte. Matthews would be up there as well, but I'm going to go with Christophe Laporte for this one. That's a really good shout. If he was up there on stage six then there's no way this will be too hard for him no breakaway pardon no breakaway knowing that it's a 92 kilometer stage (laughs) explosive possibilities on the first climbing section at the start of the day not very steep but still (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it really it depends it depends who's in the break because so many people are so close on gc like Gino made a Benji, he can't go on the break. He's like two minutes back on GC now, <laughs> so he's like in eleventh. Um, so people are going to be kept on a pretty short leash. I think De Hent is a good chance. I wouldn't be surprised to see him again. Um, if it comes down to a bunch sprint, Matthews Laporte. I think uh, if they can't beat Roglic tomorrow, then questions no need to be asked. I think. Uh, but about Bennett Benji, we we. Mocked, I think, a lot of the takes about him for stage six. But what about this sort of finish? The difficulty is that he wrote his soul out for Cataneo today. So that <laughs> ruins a bit of his chances. But I uh, I still think that if Bennett is not having trouble from today, then he's got a possibility tomorrow. It's not like he can really completely die out on that final section, I think. Uh, I don't think the stage is hard enough for that. I believe Bennett can win as well. Yeah, I'm just desperately trying to find some uh, gradients for the last. Uh, even though the Paranese website's got the old finish, so sorry we can't give you too much with the exact gradients. Um, but yeah, I think Cockard Benji, <laughs> maybe Lecoq <laughs> could could do well. Anyway, that's enough ribaldry from us. That was our Paranese Stage Seven recap and Stage Eight preview. GC, Benji, Roglic losing it, 20 seconds. How can Roglic lose GZ, GC tomorrow? Crashing or having a puncture or something <laughs> like that. Otherwise, it's impossible. And I hope it doesn't happen to him because that would be a, a pretty poor way to lose a race. Okay. No, I obviously hope that doesn't happen, but you don't think Shackman turns and co can mount some sort of assault? Like, well, it depends. If they can put a chain like on his today. wheel or something, then they've got a chance. <laughs> Otherwise, it won't happen. Yeah, I mean, only a little bit needs to go wrong. Hey, Benji, it's the rain going into the 
going into to the final um, stage of a race, leading on GC by 52 seconds. It's eerily familiar. So <laughs> it should be enough. This is very different, though. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's the same. Okay, so I, I hope so. It'd be great for my great for my highlight video. <laughs> but no, nah, I hope Rob, I hope Rob gets it over one. But anyway, that was our recap of Pyrenees Stage Seven. On to Torreno Adriatico Stage Four. Absolute madness in the first three stages of Torreno. Wad van Aert, Julian Alaphilippe, MVDP with the mean mug post up yesterday. Absolute scenes. Would we have more action? In stage four, well, yeah, we knew he would because of this parkour. 148 k's, two HC climbs. The first one's not particularly scary. Paso Capanelli, 14 k's at four and a half percent. Long descent. Then they do the Prati di Tivo, 14.7 k's at seven percent. Mountaintop finish. Bernal, Pogaccia, Igita. How would Walfenart go defending? Uh, his leader's jersey against the best climbers in the world, except for the best GC riders in the world, apart from Roglic, who isn't here. He went into the stage 10 seconds ahead of Alaphilippe, 20 seconds ahead of Pogaccia, and and uh, must have been more on Bernal and Co. Yeah, 30 seconds, 38 seconds on Bernal, 40 seconds on Thomas because they got held up by a crash on stage three. Do you know what happened with the break, Benji? I think it was the Ola guys again. I uh, completely forgot. I'm having a breakaway blackout at the moment. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I I know that when we saw this parkour, I think we we both agreed that it would be difficult for a breakaway to win. But on the other hand, the issue at hand is pretty clear. Uh, I would expect that Ineos was going to pay the entire last climb. That's what we mentioned. But we also don't have a leader in this race compared to... Pyrenees that has a team around him because Wout van Aert here does not really have any support properly like Tobias Foss is a decent climber but today spoilers he was really nowhere I think that Wout van Aert basically had zero riders left after the most important well when the most important phase even had to start in the race and I think he's missing the like of, of a Vingegaard and Harbour perhaps that could support him on a climb like this why is it that they send such a Team to support him to this race because like i know that dumoulin was meant to ride this we'll race. discuss that at the end I, I, okay. I, ought to, I might have to send you for a second coffee i don't know what your caffeine resilience is like but um i don't yeah, like coffee. i might have to send you again <laughs> okay well you better get used to it because there's a rant coming <laughs> 53 k's to go on this stage the break had been given eight minutes because no one could be bothered to chase it, it had uh bice Canola, Benjamin Tamar, Madvert Schmidt, and Vinievo in the break. They've been out there for quite a while. I think the first live images started like 80k to go. Uh, so Yumbo Visma weren't too fussed about them. And to be honest, with the climb, and I think it might have been a headwind on the climb. Oh, actually, nah, I take that back based on what was to come. That couldn't have been possible. Um, yeah, they weren't really a threat on GC for anybody. Yumbo Visma started the pace, but then it was UAE that was starting to be lent on with 50Ks to go, and then they gradually eked that breakaway back, um, mainly because it was time for, well, if you're Pagacha, Benji, you have to be aggressive this stage. Like, was there any scenario where you thought UAE wouldn't try and set something up for Pagacha? Or even so, Ineos were 100% going to try something, right? Yeah, indeed. And I think that Pogacar already knows before this final climb would start that he can spend this riders before the final climb because True. the only way that Ineos can really put pressure on him is the same way that Yumbo tried it in the tour last year with a train. And that gave him the capability oh. of just following. And I think today they went for a different approach. We'll go into that for a second. Yep. But Sorry. I think it, it still really played into the hand of Pogacar whether, yeah, how Ineos was going to play the final would really not influence Pogacar too much, I think, before this climb. It was my meaning, my, my opinion yeah. before, the, before the climb started. 
So 23 and a half Ks to go. They've each, I've used each now twice. They've reduced the gap by three minutes or so into four minutes, 45. Matthew van der Poel goes into the Gruppetto. He was a, like 100 to one for the stage, Benji, or 80 to one for the stage. Insane. Um, me and you <laughs> thought he wouldn't even try and stay in the group because uh, he's got the stage win options tomorrow. Ineos started pacing with 12 Ks to go. The break had four minutes. Yeah. And, yeah, Ineos were pacing, but I don't think it was that high a pace, really. They were taking out a fair bit, but they weren't really dropping anybody. 7% climb, very regular. Julio Ciccone attacked with 11.5 Ks to go. You picked him for the stage, Benji. Did you think it would be him going like this or trying to steal a march with, like, 1500 to go yeah i picked him for the stage but i decided to cut it out of the podcast that yesterday evening so oh. nobody else will know that i picked going here for the <laughs> well, stage so thanks for just i ruining. think i picked alaphilippe <laughs> for the stage I actually just to remind you i actually said that pogachar would win the stage but i also said that chikone would have a chance <laughs> um so i went for a very very easy pick there with pogachar but then again yeah. it still had to be played out because a lot can happen we have multiple Ineos riders that could bash on to Pogacar on this climb. But Ciccone went for that move, Nibali in the second group for his team. No clue what he was trying. I think it's just he was hoping that they would end in a situation, which I kind of understand, to be honest, if Ineos would pace on that climb. And let's say they have three riders left, that's Sivakov, Thomas, and Bernal on this climb. Then Sivakov would well, be the weak. third rider to pace. But yeah, exactly. So as a consequence, he might have thought, well... If Vinyas is not going to pace, if Pogacar is basically roughly alone at this point because Michael was basically already gone, then I can do this. I can try and get away and see where I can go because these others can yeah, start to surplus true. a bit on the climb and, and attack each other and see where that goes. And yeah, I think that all kind of uh, kind of changed the moment when we saw the first rider attack from the group. And that was when Vinyas was pretty much done pacing with their domestiques. Bernal decided to make a bit of a move. Wasn't the most explosive attack. And the others had time to think, should I respond to that or should I not respond to that? And we saw that Pugaccia was the first to respond to that. Pugaccia closed yep. that down. Everybody was Easy. following that. Fanard was dropping back in the group because he decided, let me try and do this, perhaps in the same way that Dumoulin did a few years ago when he was doing uh, climbing stages. Let the... The punchy guys get a bit of a gap and then crawl back slowly but surely. That worked out the first time. And I think Bernal realized, well, uh, it's not my turn now. <laughs> Let Thomas try again. Thomas was the next one to try that attack. And he actually first didn't get a gap, but then it actually did get a gap the next time he tried. And I think this was where Pogacar made a really clever play. He could have responded to Pogacar the second time. He did the first time around, but the second time he didn't. He allowed the gap from Thomas to Pogacar's group to extend a tiny bit to become a good 10 to 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. And that allows Pogacar to think, if I cross now and Bernal does not follow me, then it's a 1v1 instead of the 1v2 he had. And that's exactly what Pogacar did. He came out of the wheel and he just launched it. Nobody was really able to follow. Pogacar directly closed the gap to Thomas in like no time. He worked together with Thomas for a, for a bit. Bernal was not pacing no, in the didn't. second group. They were working no? together. He just went on the front and started to ride his three. Oh, yeah, his true, pace. true. Yeah, true. <laughs> Thomas was just yeah, you're right. your life. And in, in the second group, obviously, Bernal's not pacing because he's got Thomas at the front, so he can't really yeah. afford to do that. And it's all down to Van Aert in the second group then to start pacing. But Van Aert is not the climber that Pogacar is. Pogacar 1v1 in climbing versus Van Aert. I'm going to put my money on on Pogacar every single time and the gap slowly but surely kept growing and there was uh, the rider in that front two that was unable to follow Pogacar which was Thomas. Thomas dropped from that group and Thomas fell back to the second group and that is where Ineos was basically already slaughtered. The game was over. Yeah, they they fucked up Ineos there. Like They tried something but it didn't work out because I think Bernal should have perhaps reacted to Pogacar the last time he attacked to Thomas, otherwise this was always destined to fail. And it was really destined to fail indeed. The second group, Van Aert pacing there, catching Thomas, dropping plenty of 
really solid climbers. Crazy work. The gap from Pogachar extending out slowly but surely to that second group. I think there was one rider that still attacked from that second group, which was Simon Yates. And it was the only one that really got a gap, really, because the others, I think Landa tried to follow some attack at some point. And well, no, Bernal but Niles was... tried to bridge to Pogacar before yeah, with true. 4Ks to go. And so Masvert Schmitz, by the way, who'd been up the climb, the lone breakaway rider for Israel's startup nation, he uh, he was caught with about 5 or 4Ks to go. I can't remember the poor guy. Like the gap was two minutes and then it was zero. Wednesday, all the GC guys started attacking and things got serious. But yeah, it was uh, Bernal trying to close him. Alaphilippe got dropped from that group. Benji, whilst Walfenaut was riding like his tempo. And yes, yeah, Simon Yates trying to bridge. I don't know what happened with him the other day. He's got to be the British Lutsenko. Um, like hot and cold one day. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, did you think Yates had a chance of catching Pogaccio? Uh Perhaps get to his wheel. I didn't believe in it. But still, if he got to the wheel, I would still have my opinion that Pogacar would win a 1v1 sprint to Simon Yates at the end of a stage like this. And yeah, he, he got closer and closer. So at a certain point, going into the last 1.5 kilometers, he was actually getting relatively close to Pogacar. So was climbing at a faster rate than Pogacar was there. But he just couldn't get There's to the gap. wheel, couldn't he? The gap from the GC group to Pogacar, well, I think Wal Van Aert had held it at like 15 for a bit. But after Yates' attack, it really started to go out. Wal Van Aert's been on his own for almost the entirety of this climb. And it was really reminiscent of that Perisud stage, Benji, where Pogacar yeah. just gets the 10, 12-second gap, and then he rides his pace and just gains, keeps gaining incrementally and everyone else gets more and more tired and then bang, 35 seconds, 45 seconds back to that group. Were you surprised no one was helping Walfanat? You've got Mikel Landa, Quintana, Almeida, Igita in that group. No one's helping him. Surely they also want to limit their losses to Pogaccio. I kind of get it though because... Why do it yourself if someone else is pacing at a relatively high pace? The pace was sure. high enough to drop Bernal off the wheel there. So the second time that Wout van Aert drops <laughs> Bernal <laughs> in the tour last year as well. I think that yeah. uh, perhaps Landa, he already tried to follow and couldn't follow. And because of that, I think that it's understandable that he doesn't make the move. Almeida seemed to be the strongest in the group. He tried to move forward for a bit, tried to set a bit of tempo at some True, point. He but did help. He, he eventually didn't help like enough to yeah. make any difference. Wout van Aert was dying for the entire last two kilometers, for sure. I haven't seen his face suffer like that in a while, which uh, is great to see. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Last kilometer. <laughs> Pagatch has got a five to six second lead on Simon Yates. But I think Simon Yates, he, he wasn't able to bring it down under five or six seconds. He'd got there, but then he looked like he was completely on his limit and starting to go backwards as well. And that's the thing about Pogaccio, Benji. I think if this climb went for another 20 minutes, Pogaccio would have begun to gain more time on everybody and could have just held a similar pace um, and Yates would have started to lose time. Maybe I'm delusional, but that's my view on it. I think Pogaccio just seems to have reserves of energy to keep going. Um, but he holds on. Yates is in the foreground and Pagasha takes the stage win. Stage four, six seconds out of Simon Yates after an attack with eight kilometers to go, I think. Or, oh, no, no, not that long. Six, six or five, six kilometers to go after closing down Bernal. So, incredible stage win from Pagasha. Six seconds ahead of Yates, 29 seconds ahead of Sergio Aguita, Landa, and Quintana, who all surged out of the Wild Fanart group, Almeida sixth, Matteo Fabro yep. seventh, Benji on 42 Crazy. seconds. Love it. Probably would have come top three at Paris Nice. Simon Carr <laughs> eighth. No, nah, that's that's I'm being disingenuous, but he would have been shit. a big help for he would have been a big help for Shuckman at Paris nice. Simon Carr for EF Nippo eighth on 42 seconds. <laughs> what the hell? Wild Fanart, everyone's come around him after he's helped them. Ninth, 
on 45 seconds felt pretty bad for him, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. What a stage, Benji. Any big mistakes from anyone? Who are the big losers for the stage? Yumbo. I think that Yumbo's biggest mistake is that they send a team to this that can in no way support Wout van Aert in any of the stages so far. I think only Makes one sense. stage they played a role. But ever since then, no support at all. And ah, I don't get it. Vingegaard, he, he exists. Harper exists. Basically Vingegaard again. And Sepkaz exists. <laughs> all three are not racing Pyrenees and Tireno. Why? I'm not sure. Are they doing some kind of training camp somewhere? It's possible. I have no clue what what is on the schedule of teams like Jumbo these days. But they could have done as if so they couldn't have swapped Hessen and Bennett around. Yeah, I think Vingegaard well, would have made sh- a huge. Surely difference. they could have swapped Kreisvik and Hessen. Yeah, but still, like again, Vingegaard, I think would be the biggest difference here. Someone like that, just one rider. You said six kilometers was when Pogacar caught Bernal and went on a solo ride. Caught yes. Thomas and went on a solo ride. Bernal made the first move at eight kilometers to go. From that second onwards, Fanar was at the front of that group. Eight kilometers of climbing. Yeah. He had to do everything alone. And that's his Anyone a lot. would have cracked. Exactly. Like, he basically having to one-on-one TT against Pogacar up a 7% climb for six kilometers after some surges with everyone on his wheel. Like, I know we're probably a little bit well an art fanboyish, Benzie. I, I disagree on that. I think that generally 100%, if Jumbo had support here, Wout van Aert would be in a position that he's head favor for winning Tireno right now. Yeah, I agree. Because maybe he improves his position on a couple of the other stages. Maybe he gets some IS. Intermediate sprints, and I think he saves. I don't think I don't think he ever keeps Pagash's wheel on this stage. I think there's I no chance. But ten people don't think Kreisvik, Vingegaard, or Harper would have just helped ten seconds, yes. twelve seconds, which they really matter. They will really matter when we get down to these GC gaps because Wafanad is now thirty-five seconds behind Pagacha, same time as Agita. And um, I think if he was on 15, this he'd be favourite for GC. Yeah, I think so as well. Definitely looking at the next couple of stages, because the next stage, we'll go into it in deeper detail at the end of this pod, but the next stage is basically a hill stage with a similar yeah, possibility for Wout van Aert versus Van der Poel versus Alaphilippe once again. So he can get bonus seconds there. Let's say he gets the worst bonus second, the full seconds one. He gets four seconds back. That's on 41 NGC now, because I think he's on 45 right now. Was that right? 35 on GC. 35, sorry. He gets on 31 seconds then. Okay. Let's say the next stage, pretty flat sprint, relatively. Um, yeah. He can get... So, let's say he takes four seconds. seconds. Let's, say, yeah. let's say he takes eight seconds across both. 27 in total then. He's got behind yeah. after that, which means that in the time trial, he won't get 27 seconds back, most likely, on Pogacar. But no he way. can get 10 seconds back if it's a very good day for him and Pogacar doesn't yeah. have the best of his TTs, then it's possible. And 17 seconds, that's what Vingegaard would have made difference, I think, if Vingegaard was pacing from 8 to 6 kilometers instead of Wout from 8 to 0 kilometers. Yeah, it's uh, it really doesn't make too much sense to me. Like, I get that Jumbo Visma was saying, oh, we're not coming into Torino with Wout for GC, but then inevitably he gets into the leader's jersey and then they're like, we're going to ride for GC. Well, then if you're going to ride for GC and actually protect it, because like Van der Poel today was like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see yeah. you boys tomorrow. Yumbo um, weren't doing that. So, and I know he's, he's got the jersey on his back, so it's, you know, you've got to defend it. But if you want to practice for the tour, well, yes, you've got to practice with the, Tour de France squad at Paris-Nice. But Wout also going to the Tour. And Benji, you and I think very strongly that Wout will be in the leader's jersey, or if not, very, very close to the leader's jersey for the first 10 days of the Tour, uh, at least yes. the first week. And given what we've seen from Pagacha today at UA Tour, back-to-back, like we've seen Pagacha can TT, like, 
he's legit. It's yes. not a one-off. If you want to have a different strategy, it can involve Vanart. Like how many, I haven't checked recently, but how many of the stages in the Tour de France have a 14K, 7% mountaintop finish? Um, uh, not that many. There are some, and there are harder overall stages. There's a double von two stage, but... Yeah, everybody keeps yeah. saying it's a double von two stage, but the first one is not really the von two you're, you're used to seeing. It's a slower climb. It's a longer uh, climb with lesser gradients. Yeah, you can't call it the double von two, in my opinion, even though it's called the von two. It's a fake von two. How scared would you be if you're Jumbo Visma with a two kilos lighter Wart van Aert, full train, of UAE and Pagacha lighting up a 20-kilometer, 5% climb with then a descent into the finish of about 20 kilometers. I'd be about zero scared. Yep, definitely with the descent afterwards. That that changes a lot. Luzardi then will be more difficult. That's the stages, Benji. Yeah, Luzardi then is the one where I'm scared. Col du Port as well, those two. And all the rest, I think, are very viable to keep Fanard within a decent amount of margin from the likes of Bogacar in those stages. I think those two stages are the ones where I'm scared about. I think that in the first two-ish stages, there are two hill stages in the first week. I can't remember which ones because I totally forgot the parkour already. But Muda Britannia and such, Fanard can definitely hang on. And that first one as well. Muda Britannia kind of feels like um, the first Dauphiné stage of last year. It's it's not the same climb at all. It's not the same stage at all. But they could ride it like that and just ride Vanard in in fourth wheel onto Muda Britannia and pace with Yumbo at the front of the group, and they could have him sprint at the end, and it would likely work out with Vanderpool competing as well. So it won't be super and easy. And remember, but... the reason I'm saying all this, I don't know about Benji, but the reason I'm saying all this is not for Wout van Aert to win the Tour de France GC. It's for Jumbo Visma to have their best chance yes. of winning the Tour de France GC, and the best chance is to have Pagacha having to launch shit like today and if he had to do something like today massive performance zero help well some help but when it counted most no real pacing from his team Micah got dropped before Filippo Ganna so he's having to do that all today if Yumbo have a full tr- team he gains 15 seconds on Wout van Aert, or 20 seconds on Wout van Aert. um Keeps Wild Van Aert close, and Pagacha's having to try and distance Wild Van Aert like that all the all the while. Roglic would have been on Pagacha's wheel, sitting on the whole time, not pulling. Oh, they probably would pull. Nah, he won't be allowed to pull anymore, <laughs> surely. Um, and that's the point. Imagine today, uh, Pagacha's pulling, and Roglic is on his wheel, and they maintain the gap with Wild Van Aert behind. I think that's the perfect strategy for them, and would put the most pressure on Pagacha. But I'm tomorrow's just, stage... Wait, yeah, wait, sorry, wait, 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 wait. I'm just very oh, much okay. looking forward to the Tour de France, where we end up 10 days in, roughly 11 days, 12 days in, with Wout van Aert in yellow, Roglic in the same group, and on Sports, the Belgian cycling channel, <laughs> they, no. they start shouting, <laughs> why is Roglic not pacing for Wout van Aert? <laughs> it <will happen. laughs> would be so funny. <laughs> That's happening. Um... <laughs> I think the big losers of today were Ineos. Like Certainly. We're talking, we're talking about, really, today was a positive for Jumbo Visma. Like, Juan van Aert proved he can stay close, um, even in, like, classic shape, quote-unquote. Bernal getting dropped by Juan van Aert, Thomas completely blowing up. Is it a negative, Benji? Or should Ineos be praised for actually trying, going full and, you know, if you try crazy things, sometimes you blow up. Sure, it happens. If you try crazy things, you blow up, but they're not good enough. And that's it. There's nothing more to add. Bernal is nowhere near a form where he can compete with Pogacar. And Thomas, I didn't Has believe in his capabilities. <laughs> I didn't believe in his capabilities to beat Pogacar either. I think in the 2018 tour was his peak, and I don't think he's going to get near that ever again. Yeah, I think Bernal's never done Pagacha was Bikila for 30 minutes below, below altitude. One hour, cold at a lows, different story. I actually think, yeah, 
Bernal and Miguel Angel Lopez, that's their territory. But 30, 35-minute climb like this, low altitude, that's Pogacar's different league and Roglic is the same as Pogacar in my view. Tomorrow's stage, another banger. Stage 5 of Torino Adriatico. It's been won, each stage has been won by one of the big guns. 206 kilometers, first 100Ks, a pancake flat. And then we have, it's, this is a crazy stage. Listen to this. Over 10 or 12 ascents of a 600 meter 8% climb, a 1500 meter 10.1% climb, and then a staircase climb to Castel Fidardo with like 700 meters at 7%. Um, I need to go look at the close-up the close of this finale, Benji. It's, what, 500 metres at 9%, then 500 metres at 15%, then 500 metres of 6%, I think. Oh, that's no, that's, that's the climb they repeat. I don't think the finish is that hard. Alaphilippe tomorrow, my pick. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go for Vanderpool on this one. Okay. Fanart for still a doubt. I'm, I'm an idiot. Bonus. But... Do you think... I know I know Estrade in that one on the final climb is able to launch, but this is the Imola course, right? It's the Imola course light. So Vanderpool and Van Aert should be okay. And then the finals, not so bad. What about Pagacha Benji? Do you think tomorrow Wal Van Aert has to attack and then say Alaphilippe and Van der Poel join him, work for them and not gift, but work max so you can't even contest a stage win? That'd be my play. It would be a play, but I I don't think it's going to be so easy to drop Pogacar on this parkour. I think it's the one where it's possible. The only one that is left where it's really possible. It's the only one where he can hit Pogacar and he'll have to do it tomorrow or the overall victory is lost, I think. so. Yes. Tomorrow he has to try max, I think. Uh, because 35 seconds, even with stage bonuses, is not going to be enough if... Pagacha's TT is what do we think it is. Uh, but Benji's gone MVP. I've gone Alaphilippe after he didn't climb as well today, but apparently the, the level was uh, pretty crazy, although it's hard to say without wind. Like people saying Pagacha did the best climbing performance since 1998, but that means that Simon Yates was five seconds off the best climbing performance in like 23 <laughs> years, which... Yeah. I'm less inclined to believe, to be honest. I think there might have been a tailwind or something else. Uh, but any last thoughts on Torino Adriatico, Benji? Wow. And uh, it's going to continue being wow from the looks of it. So I look forward to the next stage very much. I think for a fun ending, we put a bit of a poll on the community tab of our YouTube channel to uh, ask you guys what you think about... Who's going to win Milano San Remo? I think there's been like 1.4k votes on it so far. Vanderpool's winning Wait, it with what? about 60%. So <laughs> it looks like everybody's a Vanderpool fan that watches this. <laughs> yeah. And thanks for bearing with us as well. I hope you love uh, Benji does a lot of those community posts. Just as a big shout out, I'd like to make publicly to Benji. He's working full time still. He's been editing the pod whilst I have for the ASO races, which I have the highlights rides for. So currently I wake up at about midday. I make the video. I put it up when you wake up in Europe. I go for a walk at five and then eat dinner, prep for the races, watch the races, record the pod with Benji at about 2 to 2.45, then try and get to sleep or do some admin or emails go to bed at 4.30, and then rinse and repeat. Benji's doing the opposite. Want to hear my phone story? Yeah, um, you're, you're working full time and yeah. doing it, the editing. So basically, I've got one hour to uh, myself in the entire day, and I try to keep my, <laughs> my workout uh, a bit in check there. And the problem is the moment that I'm done with everything is like 11 a.m. in the evening, which means that 
well, <laughs> there's like a 20 minute walk in my workout just to like in having some steps throughout the day because otherwise I'm sitting at a desk all day with work and with editing this. But try walking outside at 11 a.m. So I had the intelligent idea a few days ago to walk back and forth in my fucking living room 20,000 <laughs> times to get to 20 minutes while listening to an audiobook. And it was quite fun. It's good, but it was stupid. <laughs> I mean, I know it's going to be very cliche, Benji, but this sounds like the perfect angle for a smart trainer company to sponsor two professional or actually aspiring professional cycling pundits <laughs> so we can <laughs> exercise while watching the races. But anyway, once I move to Europe, you'll never hear me complaining again because I can edit and uh, things will be gravy. But hope you enjoyed the pods today. I thought we'd just give you a little bit of background on that and you might hear some more announcements from us in the pipeline in the next week or so. Terreno Adriatico Stage 5 recap. You've got to tune in tomorrow. It'll be a banger. Ciao. 